Wonderful. Well, uh, right now we are going to transition into the message portion of the service. We are in week two of a uh, New Year's series called At Your Best, and we're looking at what would life be like if we were actually operating at our best. And hopefully this isn't a, hey, everyone here needs to level up to fit in, but more or less, hey, we're in this together. How can we be encouraged and actually The secret is when we're surrendered, that's when we're actually at our best. We have a teaching team at Journey Church where we share the privilege and responsibility of communicating week in, week out. Two members of our teaching team who have been on our team a long time, and we don't get to see them that often, but Anna Osborne and John Knife, they have for us this morning a very fun, interesting approach to talking about, uh, remember last week we talked about our schedule, and yes, we all want to follow God with our schedule, but then how do we manage finances? They're going to have a great, honest discussion in front of all of us this morning about how to be at our best with our finances. Put it together for Anna and John. Thanks, Tim. Um, Okay. Uh, Yes, we are at our best. Um, There it is. Okay. Let's make sure we're on the same one. We are at our best. We are at our best because the screen's working now. Uh, so yeah, we're going through this book on the teaching team. It's um, At Your Best. It tell, you tell yourself it's a busy season, but if your busy season has no ending, it's not a season, it's your life. So just keep that in mind as we go through it. Um, so what could we do if we had a... So today we're actually um, covering Jesus talking about Matthew 25 through 30. Um, I know that finances can be a little bit, for me, especially anxiety, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. So we're going to start this with some more relaxing images. So I'm going to go over the uh, verses really quickly, uh, show some images on there that are just nice and relaxing and calming so we can start that uncomfortableness after, so it's not right away. So um, it says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, that, that verse always hits home for me. I worry a lot. But here is a bird collecting um, food. So as you can see, the birds can go out. They collect their food. So nice, relaxing, <gasps> calming. Ah, oh, that's nice. Uh, The next one is, and why worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So um, a lot of some other versions will say daisies in the field. And I've always thought like a daisy in the field, it's more like a weed, right? Um, But this actually... Uh, is a field of daisies. That's actually a real picture. It's not a painting. So it's really like, wow, that's actually more beautiful than I ever thought daisies could be. Normally, I just rip them out of the ground and throw them in the garbage. But they're very nice. It's very relaxing. So now that we've had that time to calm, relax, we know that God is going to take care of us, we'll go and be uncomfortable for the next about 20, 25 minutes. Um, So today we're answering the question, what it looks like to be operating at your best and not so best financially. Um, so kind of a little background for me, as far as finances go, I'm on the anxiety side of finances. I always, every time something goes wrong, um, I can take a stream of stuff and end up living in a box down by the river. Like it's, it's really bad. Um, it's kind of based on when I was really young, my parents went through bankruptcy and they wanted to be open because I think my mom was mad at my dad because he wasn't good with money. Um, but we went to the bankruptcy hearings and like, this is what happens when you have too much debt. You have to go through all this and all these things. And so 
I, growing up, I was like, okay, I can never be in debt because I don't want these terrible things to happen because that's what happens. So that was kind of my mindset. So t even today, so when things go kind of awry, I get a little bit on the anxiety. I think Anna's a little bit different than I am. Though. Yeah, and I think that's what was interesting is John and I were preparing this message, which, rep which we realized that we're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. I would say that when it comes to finances, I tend to bury my head in the sand or minimize um, what's actually happening, which, you know, mom, dad, I love you, but I think that they had an impact in that as well. I saw them not talk about finances until they argued about it. And so I'm sure there was lots of offline conversations they had around budgets and money management and all those sorts of things, but I didn't see it until it got tense, which of course in the eyes of a kid looks like secrecy or conflict or tension. And so what you're going to hear from us today is really those two sides of the spectrum of not only what it looks like to be anxious around finances, but what it's like to minimize or bury your head in the sand, kind of avoid the topic of finances. And, you know, we want to speak to not only what it's like to not be at your best and how that impacts you, but the relief and the um, peace that comes with operating at your best financially. And our greatest hope is that it's not this story of, of how we have it all together, um, but really that operating at your best financially is a place of, of celebration and abundance, not necessarily because of what's in your bank account, but because of your ability to work your way through it and really turn to God. So we're excited for today. It's going to be fun. So the first question we're kind of covering is, um, what does it mean to be a good steward of your finances? So we all know that if we're ever looking for advice or something good, we're going to go to Proverbs. So that's where we're going to start with. And whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. And you're like, okay, well, what is pursuing righteousness? Well, one of the Instagram pages that I follow, um, it's called Steps of Faith. And it says, pursuing righteousness means we become a work in progress. It's perfected over time through our obedience to him, and it slowly reveals itself as evidence to our faith. Not exactly the most the best definition considering it's in there. But if we look at Stuart, and if you're in the Bible reading plan, hopefully you are, we've seen Joseph in the last few days, right? Joseph is, becomes a steward after he gets sold into Egypt, right? First he starts off small, so he starts off the steward of just a household. So he's in control of everything that's in the household. He actually says, I'm in control of the, the house, everything but you when he's talking to the, the guy's wife. Well, after he gets arrested, he goes to prison, right? And then he becomes a steward of the entire prison. Like, he ends up taking care of all the prisoners. So it's a small process. Once he gets out, he ends up being the steward of all of Egypt and ends up saving pretty much the, the known world at that time from famine and things like that. So it's a small thing. We have to build up. We can't jump into being stewards of Egypt if we haven't first been stewards of a household. So that's, um, that's important. And then, uh, yeah. So if we think about stewardship or being a good steward, really it's about um, honoring and managing what God has trusted you with. And one thing, especially the last week in preparing for this message, I, I found numerous examples of times that I wasn't being a good steward or I was lacking that intentionality. Um, hopefully I'm not the only one, but when Amazon somehow knows in your social media feed what you tend to like and it pops up and it's like buy now this sweater in another color that you already own and recognizing like these times that I click add to cart or I just unintentionally um, am, am not being a good steward because I'm not slowing down to think it's more out of impulsivity or a want versus a need and so when I think about operating at my best financially it is about slowing down it is about thinking, and really it's about listening, because if I'm being a good steward of what God has blessed me with, I'm, I'm managing his resources in a way that honors him, and um, it's not easy, and I'm definitely not 
you know, fantastic at it. But anytime I slow down to manage God's money better, I just feel more aligned and much more at peace. So good stewardship to me really feels like intentionality and um, kind of letting some of that, that, that distraction or temptation fall to the wayside because it doesn't feel honoring of, of the resources God's given me. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that, like we talked about last week, schedule is a big part of that. If your schedule is always busy, you're going to end up spending money that you don't necessarily mean to. Like, you're going to be like, I don't have time to go home and cook dinner. I better just go out and grab something. And as we've seen with inflation going up, I mean, we were just at McDonald's the other day, and a hamburger is like $2 now, which is... It seems obscene for a little tiny hamburger, but um, yeah, it's important that we use our finances and steward those finances in a good way. So our next question is... Um, yeah, what has it looked like in your own life when you've not been at your best fi- with finances? And this is a hard one because it's an honest reflection. I think that for me, there is that minimization of, of needing to look at the actual numbers, <laughs> both literally and figuratively, and what that means. But what it's looked like for me is it just feels messy, like out of control, like I'm needing to check the bank account on a regular basis. I'm needing to um, um, just be on high alert, almost like hypervigilant versus this place of peace. Um, and I think that for me, when I'm not at my best financially, I'm also distant, right? Like I'm in that kind of more avoidant behavior where I'm not almost like secrecy. And I think that, you know, Jordy and I have uh, a shared bank account, but like the secrecy of using a joint bank account, which sounds idiotic that anything could be hidden there. Um, but just not wanting to confront, um, Jordy and I have been, you know, pretty transparent about our journey with Financial Peace University and FPU. And um, that came into our life because of a very hard spot we were in. And I remember my sister literally calling me and saying, I just bought you guys, um, you know, a membership into FPU. You need to do this. And that was such a huge turning point for us, not just because of literally the piece it offered us, but it gave us a tool to be able to communicate through these hard conversations and, and be able to recognize how many emotions are tied to our finances and just what that does to us relationally when we are... Um, not operating at our best. So that's really, I would say messy is the best way to describe what it's like for me when I'm not at my best financially. Uh, I would say messy, but it's on the other spectrum. Like I said before, um, when things aren't going good uh, financially-wise for me, um, I start to do a lot of the I wish I wouldn't have or I shouldn't have. I spend a lot of time that I shouldn't. Oh, I look back in the things I bought. Oh, I, didn't, I shouldn't have bought that. Or why did I do this? Or why did I do that? And I spend my time sitting in the past and then trying to formulate... Uh, my own plan of how I'm going to get out with this. And one thing you got to know about finances more than anything else is it's a, it's a long process to fix something, right? So if you make a bad decision with your finances, it's not like when you're, oh, I'm going to eat healthy tomorrow, you can wake up and be healthy. It's going to be a long, it's a long process. So um, in that, I'm, I look, when finances are going, I'll look at my bank account constantly, knowing nothing is different. I'm talking like every like hour, like something's going to change like from last hour to this hour. Like hoping that, oh, maybe for no reason at all, there'll be some reason money will appear in my bank account. Maybe there'll be a bank error in my favor like in Monopoly or something. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's messy. Like I'm a mess. I can't concentrate on everything. Work tend, everything starts to suffer. Work suffers. Relationships suffer. All these things suffer because I'm more concerned about, all I can do is think about the past. Like, it's really hard for me to live in the present and even think about the future when all I'm thinking about is like, every time I think about, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have done that. So it's, it's, it's messy. Is a good, that's definitely a good word for that. 
Well, and the piece of scripture that, that helps to reassure or ground me is um, from the book of Luke uh, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, and do not be concerned about what to eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things will dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. And this is so true, right, is that when I am in a place of, of struggle, when I'm in a place of messiness, I'm not leaning into my faith. I'm in these thoughts of, of, of worry and um, minimization and, and recognizing that whether it is in the true form of, of dollars or richness in relationships or richness in, in resources is that God will give us and has given us everything that we need. And the more that I can focus on that um, and being able to look at the ways I've always been provided for, um, I can catch my breath and, and feel more at peace. So um, that to Definitely. me really speaks to some reassurance that is necessary in those moments of panic. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in the mind of how can I fix this? What can I do to fix this? And it's like, well, I can't, obviously I can't do anything. I didn't make good decisions before. What makes me think I'm going to make good decisions next day? But yes, being in prayer, being prayerful and asking God to help you through it, and that's very, very helpful. So um, which brings us to our question is how can our finances help us operate at our best? Right? Jesus continually tells us that we need to take care of the poor. We need to um, be generous and do all these things. And when our finances are operating at our best, um, we can do those things. Uh, I already asked Natalie, so there's a little story. Um, she was at the store, um, and she was getting a few things, and there was a lady in front of her who uh, was looking, was, you know, had, a, had a lot of groceries, was looking for a card, couldn't find it. She was really, like, worried, and Natalie just had this feeling like, I need to pay for this lady's groceries. Um, you know, and, and she's like, I only have, like, three things. And then she, so, she, so she goes and she does it, right? She's, she knows where everything's okay. Um, she gives this generosity. This lady is super thankful. It ends up being, like, $150. Uh, her groceries, and then uh, Natalie spent like $15. I get a phone call. She's like, I know John's going to look at the bank account. He's going to be like, why did you spend $150 on three things at the store? What, what did you buy? So she tells me, hey, I got this feeling that I really, um, I needed to do this. God was telling me to do this. And uh, I was like, okay, well, that's, that's okay because we're at a good place because we've worked hard and we've done the things we need to do. So um, knowing that I do look at the bank account and have that anxiety about why, why are we spending money? What's going on? Um, you know, she's able to know that she can tell me and that because we, when we're operating at our best, everything is going to, I'm, I'm going to not freak out and everything's going to be great. So, um, but yeah, you can be generous. When, thing, when you're operating your best and your finances well, you can, you can do that. You can be generous when you need to use those, those feelings that, oh, I should do this. Um, when we used to do the big, the, um, the big giveaways, kind of the same thing. Like you drive around like, oh, I feel like God is telling me to give this to somebody or I, God is telling me to buy this person lunch or God is telling me to do these things. You can do those things without going, oh, if I do this though, am I going to have money for this? So operating our best, that really helps. Um, uh, uh, some scripture that uh, fits there is uh, 2 Corinthians, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, right? Like when you say, hey, God is telling me that I need to do this or, or, or thankful or don't thank me, this, is, this was God, God's intervention in your life. They, they can show that that person who you were thankful for is going to say, oh, God was good because it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're, you know, what, what religion you have or atheist, agnostic, when things aren't going well, you're going to pray to God. Everyone does. It's just how we are in this country. And you can ask anyone, uh, look at the sky, but those prayers and people have those prayers. And then when you're able to come in, you answer those. It's that they can say, oh, thank God. And that maybe that is the turning point for them. And then they'll start to follow because like God answered my prayers. I, my prayer actually got answered. So there's always that. 
Yeah, and for those of you that, that aren't reading the book quite yet or haven't caught up on the At Your Best book, um, the author, Carrie, really talks about being in the green zone is where we're at a place of operating our best. And he describes the green zone as our place of like highest productivity, most creativity, most focus, where we're kind of in flow. And thankfully, it's only a few hours a day. It's not like there's an expectation that we've got to be in that spot you know, during 12-hour period. But what I think about kind of the application to finances is that when I'm operating at my best financially or when we are operating at our best financially, we're in flow. We're not having to, you know, check the bank account every moment. We're, we're able to know that if, if there's a bump here or a bump there, that we have the, the, the plan of what to do with it. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, um, Jordy and I have done a million walks. Um, I've like literally walked holes in two pairs of shoes. Um, and during those walks, it's interesting how often we will kind of come back to our finances to make sure that we are on the same page, to make sure that, you know, if X, Y, and Z were to happen, um, being self-employed, like if things kind of stop working, like what is our plan? And just that reassurance that that offers of being kind of in that flow, in that green zone, if you will. Um, and I also think that as a parent, um, you know, there's things that my folks modeled to me probably with the best of intentions. And there's things that Jordy and I are modeling to our kids with the best of intentions that will probably wind them up in therapy. But, you know, that's just our job as parents. Um, but I think about also modeling to our kids these conversations around budget um, and, and resources, not to scare them, but to recognize that it takes intentionality. It takes hard conversations. Um, we still do our cash envelopes for FPU. It helps keep us accountable. And um, my son does, you know, hitting lessons for baseball a couple times a month. And we have him go up to the envelopes and take the cash out so that he has an awareness that, like, this costs money and we're happy to do it. We've, we've set aside the money to do it. But that he needs to know that there's, an, there's a, a, an intentionality and a cost to this privilege he's getting to go to hitting lessons a couple times a month. And... Um, you know, I think it's, for me, it's good modeling. I appreciate being able to do that. Now, there are times where we have forgotten to withdraw cash, and so he goes into his little uh, money bucket and pulls out the money for it and always reminds me quickly that um, I'm in the hole to him. So, um, you know, it makes me think, if you've got enough money to pull out and absorb your lesson this month, uh, then maybe I need to stop paying for them or something to that effect. But, yeah, that modeling, I think, is so huge, um, and being able to have the, the modeling to other people, not, again, that we've got it all together, but that we're willing to have those hard conversations and that we'll be okay. Right. And I think that perfectly into um, Carrie New, I can't say his last name, so we're going to go with it. The, guy, the author of the book we're reading, he says, live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. And I think that's huge as far, especially because we think about tomorrow as the younger generation. Um, I don't want my children to have those same, go through, you know, the anxiety and the, the, the I go through. Because it's, it's, it's been crippling at points in my life to where I can't really function. Um, there was a, a time when I was, one of my favorite stories like to tell, when I turned 18, um, I got a credit card. Uh, my very first credit card, or it was, I think it was first financial or something like that. Anyways, it was a $500 limit. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to use that. Um, and I'm going to, you know, just use that as my as my budget every month for how much I spend on whatever. So, um, you know, so I, I never paid attention to what, I just went and slid it until it was declined. Probably not the best idea, you're 18, whatever, it's, I, everything's fine. Um, so one month I was sliding my card and I was like, huh, this seems like it's going a little bit longer, but I'm sure I just wasn't paying attention to how much I was spending. Um, so I got my bill and it ended up being, instead of the $500 it was supposed to be, it was $1,000. Well, the, another envelope inside that 
behind that was a letter from my bank saying, hey, congratulations, you've been doing such a good job. We upped your limit for you. And I was like, why did you up your limit for me and then send me a letter that's going to take a week to get to me? Um, so just that kind of thing, you know, now I'm at that point in my life, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in debt now. Like, this is not good. Um, but helping my kids not have to deal, explain to them, like, hey, this is how money works and things work. Um, we're teaching that. We're living in a way today that help our tomorrow thrive, not just for us, but also for, for our kids. Yeah, and so really talking about what is the emotional impact on you or your relationships when you are not at your best financially. And, um, you know, I, I think that it, it is, it's anxiety producing, but in a different way where it's more avoidant. Um, so I feel disconnected. And when I feel disconnected from, you know, my biggest support system, I also am feeling disconnected from God. And so that relational component or that emotional component is feeling ashamed, feeling confused, and, and not knowing where to turn for the answers. And I think that that's, that's our humanness, right? That the more that we get scared, for better or worse, um, we can forget that, that, that we are held, that we are forgiven, that we are protected. And um, for me, being able to recognize that that emotional impact isn't just me. Um, when I'm stressed about finances or not operating at my best, there's a huge ripple effect. And everybody that I interact with, um, especially my interactions with God, feel more tense and disconnected. And um, being able to have that peace of when I've made mistakes or when I'm not operating at my best, I can still turn to God and say, help, help, period, right? And I think one thing that John and I were kind of talking about in preparation is that, you know, God asks us to be a good steward, not that we can go, you know, spend everything and play the lottery and think that God's just going to help us hit the Powerball number, right? Like, like having that relationship isn't, isn't a hazmat suit, but it means that we're going to be okay because we have God um, constantly there reassuring us, um, forgiving us, protecting us. Um, and so the scripture that really connects um, for me is... From the book of Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. And what I love about this piece of scripture is this reminder that money is unreliable, right? Like, I actually went to Costco the other day, and I was paying in cash, and I was missing literally a $100 bill. And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. Like, and it was stuck to the bottom one, but I'm, like, in panic mode thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I'm paying with, for groceries right now, and I do not have enough money on me to pay for them. And then, luckily, the checker, like, you know, used his little, like, gooey stuff to, like, separate the bills out. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you found that $100. Thank you so much. Um, but money is unreliable, and yet I know for myself I have put so much reliability on it and um, being able to be reminded that God provides all and he's not only meeting all of our needs but when I really look at it he's meeting most of my wants like what an incredible thing to be able to celebrate so that to be me feels so so powerful right and then I can say I mean just from the story I just told money is unreliable because the credit card company will up your limit and not tell you um, but also when that happened like because of you know knowing because of my thought like oh I can never be in debt I can't have debt um, that month where I had that extra $500 that I wasn't playing on, I shut down all my, like, I didn't go out. Like, I stayed home all the time. Every time someone called me, hey, we're going to go out and do this. I don't, I don't have enough money. Um, I, st I actually stopped going to church, speaking of, like, separation from God. I was like, I don't have enough money to get gas to go to church. I didn't budget that. I got to be able to go to work so I can make sure I can own money so that I can, you know, pay this off because I can't have debt because debt leads to me living in a box down by the river somehow. Um, so it's just that, 
and a lot, and I, I think a lot of those relationships, I don't have those relationships, and that might have been the first, um, the first like, you know, separation that I had because my friends like, why is he freaking out so much? It's just a little bit of credit card debt, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's not even that much. A lot of my friends even said that it's not that much. Don't worry about it. Da 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 da. But it, in my mind, it's like, yes, no, this is a big deal. This shouldn't happen. So um, it really emotionally like it separates you from everyone because I. For me, it was quite literally. Like, I didn't leave the house. I didn't do anything for an extra month. I was like, no, I can't go anywhere. I can't spend any extra money because I was so afraid and I was so worried. And I just, sorry, I still feel those anxiety from when I was 18. Um, So what do we do, right? Like, so, you know, these conversations are good conversations, but practically, what do we do to operate our best? And so um, do you want to take the routinely and I'll kind of Yeah, so routinely is kind of that that daily thing that we do every day. What are we doing necessarily during the day that we don't need to be spending that, that those finances on, right? Do we, should we, are we going out to, you know, going out to eat all the time or are we, you know, buying that sweater that we don't need? Like, look at those things in our lives that we're doing on a regular, those, those daily things that we do and just kind of look at and say, okay, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. So like you have, um, for, 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 uh, you know, subscriptions to all the little streaming platforms, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have all these different things. Um, and then also maybe you have a, a direct TV subscription. So we get, like, okay, do I need all of these streaming platforms and this? Can I possibly watch that much TV in a day? So kind of separate those things. Well, I've only, well, I don't watch Hulu very often because I only have one show and it's, you can, so you cancel that. Just those little things we can do on a daily basis that really cut back and make it so those maybe, and, se- and celebrate those small victories. Like, ah, oh, I canceled that. That's awesome. That's one less, that's $7 less this month. You know what I mean? And it's, money is, uh, gaining wealth is always a small, it's a small process, like I said in the beginning. It's not something we can change tomorrow, like we can't wake up and say, I'm going to save $1,000 today. It's not going to happen. It takes over time. So do, fixing those small things daily and root, those routine things that we do every day are really going to make the big difference in the long run. Yeah, and I think about it, you know, also kind of what to do relationally is being able to connect with others, um, being able to have these difficult conversations, but also these very freeing conversations of being able to know that that relationally you've got a support system. And what I have found any time that Jordan and I have spoken about finances to other people is they're like, oh my gosh, me too. Like we can talk about this, right? We don't need to be ashamed or, or bury it deeper that there is relief in the conversations. And so relationally, what to do? Is there somebody you can talk to? Is there somebody that um, you look at as a mentor or somebody who is a beautiful steward of God's money that you can talk to just to be able to feel some support in your own journey of operating at your best financially. Um, And emotionally is being able to um, emotionally connect to God. God has provided, God has, has, is is celebrating us and, 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 and who we are and we are provided for. And so being in his word, um, slowing down to be able to ask God, how do you want me to spend your money? I think that was the biggest transformation when we went through FPU in 2016 was being able to realize this was God's money that I was using or misusing. And that piece to me emotionally helped me it helped me submit. It helped me be able to use the words like obedience in a joyful way versus feeling like it was a punitive way. And so being able to emotionally to be in relationship with God, being able to be in his word, to look and hear that guidance, to me, um, it just offers a lot of reassurance. Yeah, it changes those emotions. Like from, for me, it changes the emotions from anxiety and fear and worry to peace and I would say relaxation and trust in God, right? So it's like the it's, little Robin. Yes, like the little Robin <laughs> that goes, I'm going to go out and I know I'm going to find food because it's always there. So we can ask, how do we 
fully submit to God's will for your finances, right? And I think the big part of that is, like Anna said, praying and asking God what he wants us to do with his finances, realizing that they're not our finances, that we are just stewards of God, what God is providing for us. And I think if we're able to do that and, and model that, I think it can make a big difference not only in our lives but in those around us, in our front rows, and then our children's lives, and the, their, their, hopefully their front rows later in life. So being that good model, being open, I think, is really important, and not keeping things quiet and not hiding things and being really open and saying, we are doing this or this caught, like teaching uh, even others around you. Some adult, there's a lot of adults. I mean, you see a lot of it. There's a lot of like memes out there that say, uh, I wish high school would have taught me how to do my taxes and to balance my checkbook, right? Instead of, um, you know, learning about whatever it is they learn about in high school nowadays. I've been out for a while. Um, but, you know, those, those little things that we're not taught that we have to learn from others and, a lot of times, if we're not paying attention to those bad habits from our parents, we get those, those bad habits from, um, we continue those bad habits, and it continues. It's a, it's a learned, learned thing, but prayer really helps us get through that. Well, and the piece I think about, too, is that, you know, I mean, I'm a couples therapist, so I'm constantly talking with people around finances and communication and, and all these sorts of things, but one thing I hear over and over is the shame that's connected with not knowing like, gosh, I can't believe I'm just learning this, or I wish this I had been taught this sooner. And, and recognizing that, like you said, like in high school, I didn't learn how to balance a checkbook or, or uh, do my taxes. And if we haven't been taught something yet, re- recognizing of like, why am I carrying shame for something that I've never been taught how to do? And so if these conversations are scary or overwhelming and you're recognizing I was never taught how to do them, how can we... Um, again, through, through our relationship with God, recognize that we are forgiven. We don't have to carry the shame of something that we were not taught. Um, and that's really where, you know, the ABC prayer comes in. For me, the ABC prayer is something that is like a continual uh, repraying, um, probably on a weekly basis, if not more often than that, because I do have to be so aware of my own desires, my own selfishness, and, and recognize that I have to admit that I cannot do this on my own, whether it is... Um, my, my marriage on my own, my finances on my own, I cannot do this alone. And that um, I absolutely believing and submitting um, to um, the beautiful gift of, of, of my relationship with God and knowing that Jesus died so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be in relationship um, with him and, and choosing to follow him, choosing to listen, to act with intentionality and to allow myself to feel that forgiveness when I've made another mistake because that humanness um, is just a beautiful uh, pattern of those mistakes and those realizations. And um, really our encouragement to you guys is, and the big challenge this week, is how can we encourage you guys to be able to dive in this week um, and answer one of these questions more if you feel inclined with someone on your front row. Your front row is um, people that know you, that love you, that support you unconditionally and being able to have what is a vulnerable conversation around finances um, with them is really our, our big challenge for this week and using it as an example of submitting to God's will for your finances of saying I'm humbling myself to have this conversation. I'm humbling myself to maybe look in to things that I've wanted to turn a blind eye to or I'm spinning like Tasmanian devil with anxiety around um, and just using that as just a beautiful illustration of our submission to God and his continual pro- uh, providing for us. Right, and sometimes just 
for me, a lot of it is, is once I get it out, actually out of my head and talk to somebody, I'm like, you realize how completely insane you sound right now. That's not possible, what, you're, what you've just said is going to happen. Um, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's freeing because you're like, okay, I, I'm, it gets out. And like, like Anna said before, a lot of times like, oh, my gosh, me too. Like I, I feel that exact same way or I have those exact same feelings or something like that. And it's something that you can sit with somebody, you can know them for 10, 20 years and you've never talked to them about this. And it's just like they're in the same boat you are and talking about it. And then you help someone to also to create accountability for you. Like, hey, did you cancel that subscription? Did you, did you do what you said you were going to do kind of thing? So um, uh, that's, that's where we are. So hopefully you got something good and you're able to open yourself up and say, okay, I'm ready to talk about this. I understand that uh, hopefully you can identify somewhere with either hiding or anxiety or somewhere in between, somewhere in there. Um, and you're able to like take that deep breath and go, okay, other people feel like this. I can do, if they can, they can get over there, I can do it too. And it's all through God and through God's word. So we have a couple more. We're at your best. So we have next week, uh, I think we're talking about body and then we're going to talk about relationships after that. So just keep those in mind. Hopefully they will not be as anxiety producing as this one was. And you won't feel uncomfortable the whole time, but uh, we'll see that goes. So I uh, thank you all so much for listening. And if you wouldn't mind, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, all that you give us and everything you have done for us, Lord, and we thank you that we're able to have these conversations and that you are with us and that you are always taking care of us, Lord, and um, we pray that as we leave here today, we can all learn to just lean more on you and take the verses that we have into account that you are always going to take care of us, um, that we are more important to you than the birds in the field, the birds and the grass in the field and all the daisies, Lord. Thank you so much for all your blessings that you give us in your sons and your